0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: So uh, uh, I think a big part of my job is to um, develop relationships in the legislature, bring lawmakers out to farms.
0: New month, same podcast. Tanner Winterhoff, Delaney Howell sitting here bringing you the latest headlines on February 1st. Delaney, we made it. We got through January.
2: We did. January flew by for me. What about you, Tanner?
0: Oh, I would agree. I would agree. It seems like I probably say that about every month, mm-hmm. uh, but especially this year, it felt like it went really quickly.
2: Yes. How are your New Year's goals going? You still sticking to them?
0: Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm still, I uh, haven't dropped the ball yet on any of, of the ones that we've had in mind. Hopefully our listeners are in the same boat. How about you doing?
2: Yep, mine are going well. I've been reading lots of books, which is one of my goals for 2023. So,
0: yeah, see, I'm smart enough to know that that would never happen for me. So, that's <laughs> never, never a focus of mine. Reading is a struggle.
2: That's okay. It's not for everyone.
0: That's right. You know, what's also not for everybody is ice. And unfortunately, much of central and northern Texas are getting a hand, a little bit of a taste of what we get to experience here in Iowa. Ice and winter storm warnings are still in effect for those folks. Central Texas has more than a quarter inch of ice being expected through tomorrow morning. Likely, this will cause power outages and tree damages as well as damage to other structures. Oklahoma and the Texas Panhandles are a hard red winter wheat area like you talked about earlier in the week, Delaney and this overnight ice and overwintering freezing rain could create some issues a light glaze of ice is expected and that could cr- completely cause damage to some of those crops you go further east into arkansas the ice and snow has continued to ex- uh, is expected to continue into tomorrow bridges and overpasses will be very slick which will impact travel on the roads as well as careful conditions at airports. So, delaying this winter weather going through the south could cause more issues than just crop damage.
2: Well, Tanner, you know, this is a little bit anecdotal, but we're also seeing some damage in Brazil. I was looking at, uh, looking on Twitter this morning. Don't often get news from Twitter, but like to just see what people are sharing. And a gentleman producer from Brazil, I don't remember what area he's part of now. I shared it on my Twitter account anyway. Had a video this morning of one of the major, we'll call it highways, even though it's a dirt road, major highways in Brazil that's used to transport soybeans and corn and other commodities is majorly flooded to the point where It looks like semi-trucks have been bogged down for days, Tanner. It's a really interesting video. It looks like someone shot it on their drone of all of these semi-trucks lined up on this major highway down in Brazil, trying to get to some sort of grain port facility and unable to do so because the roads are so bogged down with clay and water and just lots of rain apparently happening in that area. But anecdotal, very neat to see.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of what kind of happened to our Australian friends in the middle of the American fall as portions of their flatland was flooded out. Of course, today we expect to get an announcement coming from the central bank. They are expected to raise their short term interest rates by a quarter. Of course, there are still some economists out there stating that there may be a half percent hike in store for us. Last year, of course, was the aggressive pace hike plan. This year should slow down, but it would be the eighth increase made by the Fed since March of 2022. This is causing painful price increases in the U.S., but is trying to wrangle in inflation like we've talked about, measured by the Consumer Price Index. It did decline for the sixth consecutive month for us. But J.P. Morgan Chase has released a... Press release stating, coming from one of their head economists, that if we do not trigger a recession, Delaney, in 2023, it could cause some major issues in the markets. The markets are anticipating a recession, and the idea of raising rates are meant to cause some pain, but the idea of a soft landing, using air quotes, as deemed by the federal reserve may try to avoid a significant downturn which would be considered a recession one of the jp morgan strategists is thinking that this wouldn't be such a bad income in fact for the stock markets because without a recession there are bigger risks they said worker wages will continue to increase that will force the fed to have to raise rates even higher later in 2023 And that in turn would support, that would get rid of the dovish plan to support lower rates in 2024, ushering in the recovery period. So Delaney, if we don't trigger a recession soon, according to this economist, there are fears that the recession will be longer and more drawn out. So we'll see what the Fed has to say today, and we'll have those updates for our listeners tomorrow morning.
2: Listen, I've got some updates for our listeners on some cattle related news, a couple of pieces here. Actually, first of which is on Tuesday, we saw the USDA release their cattle report and all head showing here in the United States for cattle and calves as of January 1st totaled 89.3 million head, which is down 3% compared to January 2022, according to NASA's report on Tuesday. So the supply it looks like Tanner is starting to get a little tighter here for the beef industry. But we also saw, Tanner, legislation moving through, well, really not legislation, but some follow up legislation of uh, USDA following through on some requests that were made last year. The official library for cattle contracts has gone live. The cattle contract library is expected to offer cattle producers and the public more details on marketing arrangements, because this was really largely sparked by the Tyson fire back in 20, I think 2019, 2020, somewhere right in there, that happened during, oh, 2020, during the pandemic in Kansas, Holcomb, Kansas. And it really didn't do anything to move the market, even though it was a fairly large facility that had gone offline for a few days. And a lot of producers were asking, How is this possible? And so through some legislation, Tanner, we've now seen the cattle contracts library go live. It's supposed to shine a light on things that aren't typically seen that happen behind the scenes. But most importantly, Tanner is supposed to give cattle producers a way to have some transparency into the prices that are being reported and offered by beef processing facilities so amongst other things it should give cattle producers the usda says will empower cattle producers to negotiate better terms more carefully monitor risks relating to marketing preferences and pricing practices and ultimately take better advantage of market opportunities to produce cattle that the market demands so the library is now live Uh, the usda this is just a pilot library program usda Um, published the final rule on December 7th, and then became effective on January 6th. And like I said, there it should help producers kind of figure out what's going on as far as giving some transparency to the cattle producer Tanner, but a little bit of an update there. I'll be curious to see what cattle producers actually think of this library and if it is helpful or not.
0: Yeah, that will definitely be results out to see, but I can continue on the cattle news train because we've got the cattle feeding margins report coming out as of January 28th. The average profit per head is down to $15 a head. That declined 45 bucks from the previous week. This decline was made, made mainly because of the result of uh, cash prices, the average cash price at 154.86 per hundred weight. The feed costs also increased for cattle feeders by $36 a head week over week. Beef packers found their estimated profits to be $84 per head last week. That's down 24 from the week before, but more significantly down $471 per head from the same week a year ago. Obviously the costs associated with finishing cattle have increased since last April. And that is the major factor there. When you look over at feral to finish hog producers, they saw losses of $31 per head last week, which is about steady with the couple weeks prior to that. Pork producers saw positive margins of about $19 per head in the same week one year ago. So that's nearly a 50 Dollar swing for them there. Lean carcass average price $73.53 per 100 weight. That's up 47 cents from the previous week, but down $6.29 from the year before. Pork packers, though, saw profits of about $7 per head or $2 more than the week before. However, less than the $25 per head last year. Hog slaughter was estimated to be at 2.536 million head. That's up 5,000 head from the previous week and up 7,000 from that time the year before. So looking back at the Fed cattle slaughter total numbers, because our listeners would be interested in that, it was just over 500,000 head, which is more than 10,000 the week before and about 3,000 head less than the same time a year ago. So a lot of mixed information in those reports Delaney. However, it looks like right now margins are tight or below break even for both the packers and the producers in cattle and hogs.
2: It does sound that way. So hopefully maybe the cattle contracts library gives cattle producers a little bit of an advantage here to negotiate some better prices.
0: That's correct. I've only got one more headline. How about you, Delaney?
2: I have one more here as well, and that's an update on the pipeline trespassing case. A district court judge has rejected the request to dismiss the trespassing case, Tanner, which happened when a northwest iowa property was trespassed on by summit carbon solutions according to court records a tenant of the property in northwest iowa previously told summit survey crew to go away in april of 2022 and not to return but a surveyor who was charged with trespassing stephen james larson 28 of arlington south dakota was not part of the first crew and ended up going to the rural Spirit Lake property after the company had attempted to notify the landowner and the tenant as required by Iowa law. Summit said, uh, well, Summit didn't make a public comment after this, Tanner. So I guess we will leave it at that.
0: Yeah, we'll continue to get some updates. I saw both Summit's booth and Navigator CO2's booth. Down at the Iowa Ag Expo yesterday with their maps trying to do some additional public relations on that side of things. Last headline I have here is the ethanol market is taking flight. United Airlines is looking to partner with ethanol producer to create sustainable aviation fuel or SAF. Green Plains Incorporated out of Omaha is an ethanol producer. They announced Tuesday this joint venture with Tallgrass Energy Partners, which is a division of United Airlines, the joint venture will be called Blueblade Energy and will use their technology to create SAF in conjunction with the US Department of Energy's Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. So a large acronym there spelled out for us. SAF could reduce emissions as much as 85% over the current fuel supply. Todd Becker, the president and CEO of Green Plains said the project has potential to be a game changer for US agriculture as well as the aviation energy as it moves to decarbonize its fuel supplies our transformation is to be a true decarbonized biorefinery model and that can position green planes to help customers and their partners reduce the carbon intensity of the air aerospace area if successful the blue blade energy facility would produce about 135 million gallons of jet fuel annually Becker was interviewed by DTN and stated this conversion rate would be about 1.7 gallons of ethanol to produce a gallon of jet fuel. So that's good news for our corn producers. That equates to nearly a demand of just under 230 million gallons of ethanol that would go to SAF fuel when they are at full production every year. So that'd be kind of neat to keep an eye on Delaney. The article continues to go on significantly further with a lot more detail. So if our listeners want to check that out, I did find that on DTN's page.
2: Fantastic, Tanner. Well, I think the only thing we've got left to chat on here is markets. What do you say?
0: Let's get to it.
2: Let's take a look at the overnights here. We saw a little bit of weakness in the corn markets, March corn Will open two and a half cents lower at 677 and a quarter. New crop corn, however, will open a penny and a half higher at 592 and a quarter. March soybeans down a penny and a quarter in the overnight to open at 15.36 here. November soybeans up two and a quarter cent at opening bell will clock in at 13.65 and a quarter. March wheat up three quarters of a cent at 879 and a half. As we take a look at livestock here, Tanner, they had some mixed trade. April Life Kettle will open 32 and a half cents lower at buck 6302. March Feeders up $2. $2.22 and a half cents to open at $1.8615. And April February Lean Hogs, April Lean Hogs will open 10 cents lower at 8642 and a half. We are entering into of course expiration here for some of those contract months, Tanner, February contract months. But without further ado, Tanner, let's turn it over to a conversation you had with the Dairy Business Association.
0: Folks, we're talking today with Chad Zuliger. He's the director of government affairs with the Dairy Business Association in Wisconsin. I think I got that right, Chad. That's a pretty long title. Yeah, well, you know... (laughs) you probably have to have like super big business cards in order to get the whole title spelled out on there, don't you?
1: You have to have a degree to read it.
0: (laughs) Well, Chad, for our listeners, why don't you tell them a little bit more about who you are and what that title means?
1: Well, thanks very much. And thanks for having me today. Um, as the director of government affairs, I I work, um, with state lawmakers, the governor administration and our regulatory agencies also uh, provide background and information to our members around the state, um, help on local issues they might be encountering uh, through permitting or, you know, other issues that that pop up. Oftentimes in Wisconsin, we've got weight limits for milk calling trucks and uh, posted roads. So oftentimes we get concerns brought to us from members uh, all over the state. And then I, um, you know, provide that background. We also support candidates in elections. We endorse candidates, uh, provide uh, financial support to those endorsed candidates, and we identify folks that might be uh, interested in running for office, whether at the state or local levels. Yeah, you got your hands
0: full. So let's start off. What's one of the major items that you guys Uh are focused on right now?
1: Well, right now in Wisconsin, we're working on the state budget, the governor is going to give his state of the state address uh, in a couple of weeks, that will start the clock, um, they will work on about a six month time frame to, to introduce and pass a budget that the governor will sign. Um, so once the governor starts the process introduces his budget, um, the legislature will go to work identifying provisions they want to keep in and, and take out and then they'll sort of rewrite that. We've got an interesting uh, political dynamic in the state uh, with a Democratic governor and a very strong majority Republican legislature. Um, we're in our second term of that now. So it's, uh, you know, uh, the political winds blow pretty hard in Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, we try to stay right down the middle and and work uh, both with our administration and uh, majority legislature.
0: So what is most at jeopardy right now that would affect our dairy listeners?
1: Well, I don't know that there, there's anything specifically in jeopardy at this point, but certainly there are there are deep concerns over items like broadband access um, in Northern Wisconsin. Our topography with lakes and, and hills is, is such that it, it's very difficult to, to run lines out uh, into agriculture fields where uh, a lot of our farming goes on um also our roads i mentioned earlier you know we've got uh seasonal road issues and you know wisconsin's unique in that all of our county and town roads are paved we need to look at improving those roads to handle today's equipment um not just continue paving over uh and going through the same uh process every couple years or so but uh but our milk trucks have to run every day 365 and uh um, you know i think i think we're trying to wake up our legislature to the needs in rural Wisconsin uh, as far as road building goes.
0: Yeah, that is something I think that a lot of states are facing uh, to kind of coincide with exactly what you said. Maybe I should take a step back and get your take on, you know, the governor is going to give his state of the state address. What is your take on the state of the dairy industry in Wisconsin right now?
1: Well, I, I I think as America's dairy land, you know, it's still a primary focus. We lose um, some of our uh, agriculture heft um, over the years because I think currently we've got three lawmakers that identify their profession as farmer. Um, now, 20 years ago, we had about 15, and 30 years ago, I think there were like 40 uh, lawmakers that identified as farming or part of the agriculture industry. So, uh, I think a big part of my job is to um, develop relationships in the legislature. Bring lawmakers out to farms. Give them a chance to see what modern agriculture practices are and how what they're doing uh, in making laws and interpreting laws impact uh, our farming industry. Um, you know, it's not just the the dairy producers out there, but uh, but it's the dairy processors. And so we've we've actually had some uh, success recently in expanding our agriculture exports program um, with a goal of improving exports by 25% over the next five years. We've uh, expended significant resources to upgrade our processing capacity, which really speaks volumes to what our legislators see as priorities because the processing aspect of uh, dairy production is that processor capacity and what they've got um, to be able to market their products around the world.
0: I just had a a guest on the podcast that we got to meet in person a week ago, bring us some true, fresh Wisconsin cheese curds. And I felt like it was almost uh, like the rum runners from back in the day, getting those from Wisconsin here to central Iowa. uh, Mm -hmm. Certainly can see why why you're considered the dairy capital of the world. Those cheese curds do not last very long. I, I don't assume you're surprised about that.
1: No, no. And our, our, we've got some just fantastic cheesemakers. As you probably know, the World Dairy Expo is held in Madison, Wisconsin every year. And uh, it is a tremendous asset to our state and really a, a boon to our dairy community. Um, get a chance to shine and really share our products with with people from around the world. And that really does boost our export uh, capacity, too, because people get a taste of of what we're producing here in the state. And, and our artisanal cheeses are are really booming right now. Um, so as we go from the block cheddar you know to some of the more uh artisanal cheeses um it's really creating a new avenue to uh, promote dairy from wisconsin you
0: know you would think that you'd be able just to take those cheese curds right into your legislatures and set, set a bag right in front of them and uh would just melt in their mouth and allow them to kind of see perspective but i know it's not that easy. So as you look and plan for your organization throughout 2023, what are you most excited about trying to communicate or, or tackle as an objective?
1: Well, I'm really excited about the opportunity for road funding. I, I think there's opportunity in Wisconsin. We've got a significant budget surplus uh, going into this budget cycle and, and Wisconsin operates on a two-year biennial budget. And I think there's an opportunity to um, really, direct funding to rural roads, um, and then maybe not just you know repave roads, but but really improve the quality of those roads that that will you know eliminate the need to post uh, roads and 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 impose weight restrictions, um acknowledging that that our trucks are running three hundred and sixty five days a year. Um, besides that, you know we've got uh, a really aggressive water quality agenda. Um, Our members at DBA are are very forward-thinking and and they recognize that agriculture you know plays a part in in the water quality that all of our citizens drink and uh, you know their families are drinking it their animals are drinking the same water and uh, we really want to be proactive in in finding solutions science-based solutions to the water quality issues in our state and uh, to, to do that we've we've sort of turned the table a little bit and started partnering with some environmental groups now, that's drawn the ire of some folks but we've really moved the needle um in raising awareness of, of what producers are doing already in their fields and with their animals um, to reduce nitrates in the ground to reduce phosphorus um, to sequester carbon and to find alternative uses for you know some of the the byproducts of, of dairy which you know we all know is manure and, and other products but um really looking at how we can work with environmental groups instead of Opposed in a courtroom all the time, and and so we've partnered with the Nature Conservancy, Wisconsin Land and Water, and Clean Wisconsin um, to formulate a, a budget request um, that is uh, true to what the needs are, that that addresses the need for science in any decision or rulemaking uh, regulation, um, and really puts farmers in control of sort of what they're doing in their fields and, and showing that they are uh, uh, finding solutions to the, to the problems out there. Um, we wanna keep agriculture strong in Wisconsin, and that means dairy and our potato and vegetable growers, our corn growers, soybeans. Um, we are an agriculture community, and, and uh, you know we're trying to, to be broad in our, our scope of what we're asking for, but also realistic in what we can accomplish, again, in, in the political realities in our state. Yeah, I think we're seeing more of that, at least the guests that we've had conversations
0: with on this podcast that uh, see partnerships in a strategic method that will help accomplish more than cause harm. So it's neat to see that you guys are putting those types of relationships forward as an emphasis to beginning to build a really strong platform. But. For our listeners that might want to learn more about what you guys have going on in Wisconsin, or if they want to see if they could provide any type of additional support, what's the best way for them to learn some more?
1: Well, they can always visit our website at dairyforward.com. And um, under our advocacy tab, we list our budget priorities for the two year uh, budget cycle. And then we also have our legislative priorities because we do split up the budget, which contains mostly fiscal related items and then our legislative agenda uh, is more policy based forward thinking and policies and so um, they can visit our webpage dairyforward.com and view our legislative budget priorities and we also have tools there for members to provide feedback and and uh you know contact their own lawmakers but um but that would be the place to start to learn more about Dba Awesome. Well, Chad, this has been a pleasure. We appreciate you
0: taking your time to hang out with us today and give a little bit of an overview as to what dairy looks like in Wisconsin. So, thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. Well, there you go, Delaney. Every time I talk about cheese curds, my mouth water. <laughs> so, it probably did the same thing for our listeners as well.
2: Yeah, cheese curds are probably my favorite cheese product.
0: Ooh, I, know, I I really like nacho cheese as well, and of oh. course with the Super Bowl coming up, a That's cheese true. dip to go along with that. I don't know. I think I'm just a big fan of dairy. I'm sure our listeners are too, and hopefully they stay a big fan of the Ag News Daily podcast. But what social media handles could they follow if they wanted to look us up?
2: Yes, they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Ag News Daily. Tanner, with that, should we let awesome. people go?
0: Let's let them go.